If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 1 this morning. Mm. God is good. And all the time. I'm sorry, guys. I had something happen this morning that just really been ministering to me, and I feel like I just need to share it with you guys. I shared it with um, Janice when I came in this morning. Is uh, went to a memorial service yesterday, and it was uh, I saw a grandmother do the graveside of her grandson, and. Um, and I told my wife this morning, I didn't realize how much it had affected me and until I saw my, thinking about my grandson. Then I saw him this morning. And uh, I said, uh, Lord, I want to definitely, I want to outlive my grandkids, you know. And, uh, and if, I, if I don't, uh, Lord, then I want us to all go home together, you know. And this morning, he was over here um, really loving on me this morning. And, uh, and I was just like, Lord, thank you so much. God is so good. And, uh, and we went up forward, and I was just, and, this, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because this is something I'm going to share in my message this morning. Is when we went up here, he, he asked me when we were standing up worshiping, and he said, he said, Poppy, is it time to do communion? He's four years old. And uh, I said, not yet. Let's wait till the second song. So we waited till the second song, and then we all went up there, and he wanted to distribute the communion elements to everybody in my family. And it just blessed me because I'm like, Lord, uh, there's sometimes I wonder if I'm doing anything right, and I was like, we're doing something right. We're raising up that next generation. And so this message kind of goes along with this, uh, what I wanted to share this morning. And if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Revelation chapter 1, verses um, and this will make sense here in a little bit at the end of my message, what I'm talking about this morning. Revelation 1, verses 4 through 6. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. Everybody say, loved us. And washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us, everybody say made us, kings and priests. Everybody say kings and priests. To his glory, to, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Hebrew word for priest is Cohen. Everybody say Cohen. And um, there's not a lot about this word in Scripture, I mean, the etymology is the word for it. Um, what it actually means, uh, means like chief officer in the Old Testament. I think it's mentioned like 750 times in the Old Testament. But there's a principle in Scripture that I want to teach you today. It's called the law of first mentions. And is the principle in, in the interpretation of Scripture, which states that the first mention or occurrence of a subject in Scripture 
establishes an unchangeable pattern and with that subject remaining unchanged in the mind of God throughout the entirety of the scripture. So the, very, the first time that priest is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 14. And so in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, the communion elements. He was the priest of God most high. This is even in the Old Testament. It's 400 years before the law. And it says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Everybody say blessed. And then verse 20, it says, And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. Now, we're in this series called Kings and Priests. God, what we've just read in Revelation, I want to kind of sum up last Sunday's message, is we're all called to be kings and priests, right? Okay, look at somebody. If, like, if you're not a guy, you're near a queen. And if, if you're not a priest, then you're a priestess. And so we all have that gifting. I mean, God made us. He loved us. He washed us. And then he makes us into kings and priests. It's something that you grow into. So there's those two functions that he wants us to function in the kingdom of God. All right? And where we learn to do this is in the church. Okay? So it's bigger than the church. The church, let me just share this. The church age one day is going to go away. The kingdom is not. Okay? So that's why God wants us to function is that kings and queens and priests and priestesses in the kingdom of God. That's what he's making us into. And so what I shared last Sunday, and I felt like there was a lot of light bulbs that came on. I know this was a light bulb in my life. Was I was like, there was a time in my life where I really struggled with this. was like, God, uh, you know, I, I want to be a priest, but, but I've got to go out into the world and, and get a job so I can make the ministry work. Okay? And I struggled with that. And God, because I felt like I was letting God down because I didn't have enough faith to step into the priesthood because I knew that's what God called me to be. And God said, Mark, one day I heard a teaching from a pastor on this, and, and, God, and God finally said, Mark, I've called you to do both. But your dominant gift is a priest, yes. not a king. And I said, okay, God. So I finally got over that hump. And how the, how the Lord really ministered to this to me is another analogy that I want to give you is I like to bow hunt, white-tailed deer. And when I finally picked up a bow to start learning how to bow hunt, I went to go shoot. Well, I normally shoot right-handed. So I started shooting my bow right-handed. No matter what I did, I could never hit the bullseye. I was close, just never could get right on it. And the guy that I was working with that was helping me sight in my bow and helping me, he said, Mark, have you ever just... Have you ever just um, did the dominant eye test to figure out what your dominant eye really having. So we figured out that I was left eye dominant. He said, well, I want to teach you how to shoot left-handed. I was like, that's going to feel awkward as all get out. He said, well, it might not. Let's try it out. So I started shooting left-handed. And lo and behold, the very first one I released, I hit the bullseye. And so I'm using that analogy in this. You can do both, but you're going to be dominant in one. God gave you two eyes, but you got a dominant eye. And so, just, so the kings and the priests, you can do both, but you're going to be dominant in one. And the best way, and somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, how do I know if I'm a priest or a king, my dominant gift? And the best way I can tell you this is how does the anointing affect you? When the anointing of God is here, 
in, when you're in church, when you're around the anointing, when the anointing comes upon you, how, how does it affect you? And for some people, it's they want to give. First thing they do is get out their checkbook or get out their wallet. Okay, they want to give. Or they have this, this deal where I want to start a business. Let me tell you, that's a king. That's a queen. If you want to, my, when it hits me, I want to pray for somebody. I want to prophesy. I want to get up here and teach you the word of God. That's a priest. So you can do both. I look at Dusty back there. He's a king, but he also get up here and give a message yeah. too. So he can't ever tell me and say, when I call upon him, say, Dusty, you need to preach this Sunday. He, he doesn't say, oh, I'm a king. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, yes, that's not how you get out of stuff like that. All right? Or the Lord, vice versa. Well, okay, just because I'm a priest, that doesn't mean I don't tithe and give. Right? Okay. Um, so I, does that help y'all? That helped me. Now, what I've been, so that I did that whole message last Sunday, and I want you to go back and listen to that if you weren't here. But now this Sunday, I'm, what I'm going to do over the next several Sundays is just hone in on what is a priest, what is a king, and then I'm going to probably do a message on what's the strengths and weaknesses of both because we can even see that in Scripture. All right, here's number one. Because here's the deal. A king can't be a priest, and a priest can't be a king. But you can do both. You can function in both. But, that's, but your primary calling is not both. I know I'm, it's clear as mud, isn't it? All right, here's number one. Number one, what the number one function, if you don't leave here with anything today on this cold Sunday, leave here with this. The number one function of a priest is to release God's blessing in the earth. God needs us as mouthpieces to release blessing. And you might be sitting out there saying, well, I'm not a pastor. No, here's the deal. You have children. You're the priest of your home. You, you are the one that releases blessing over your children. It's one thing for me as your pastor to bless your, your kids, and I am anointed to do that from God Almighty, but it's a whole nother anointing when you do it. And it's a, let me say this way, it's a better anointing when you do it. Because they're under your authority. That's your dominion. That's where God placed you at, your children and your grandchildren. This is Galatians 3, verses 13 through 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I love that scripture. So the curse of sin takes away what we were originally deemed for. We were deemed to rule and reign in the earth. But, the, but we fell in the garden. So the blessing redeems us to be positioned for what we were originally deemed to become. So redemption puts us right back where we belong regardless of the mistakes that we have made. That's why you can bless your kids when they screw up. Amen. They messed up, but I can still bless them and put them right back. There's, you know, they messed up. They don't become, they, you don't de-son them or de-daughter them. You bless them and put them right back into that position. Yeah. All right. So that's, you're just like, okay, pastor, that's easy. That's, you know, I can bless when it's, just, when it's my kids and my grandkids and when it's like what we just read about uh, Melchizedek blessing Abraham when he's giving him a tithe. Oh, yeah, I can bless somebody when they're giving me money. You know, you betcha, you betcha. But what about those people that rub us the wrong way? 
Amen? All right, here's Luke chapter 6. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. It works. It's easier said than done. But here's, here's when you know that you're growing as a priest. Because we all start off as baby Christians. Amen? And then the Holy Spirit's working on us, sanctifying us, all those things so that we grow in our callings and our giftings, so that we're growing in the kingdom of God to be kings and priests. But one of those will be dominant. Now, let me tell you, as, when you're growing in the priesthood, this is how you, you, you know that you're growing as a priest or a priestess, is when you start becoming unoffendable. And I'm going to tell you, when you can get to that point, then you're starting to grow up in the Lord. I said starting. <laughs> you're just starting to grow up. None of us ever achieve that. Amen? I think we're going to be growing for all of eternity and growing into him, into Christ. But you can, and I'm telling you, this is easier said than done. I, I know I'm telling you a mouthful, but here's what you have to do as a priest. Get you in a mind of a priest. When somebody, and I've had to do this, is uh, I've had to do this several times. When somebody is talking bad about you, um, they're doing bad to you, they're hating on you, you hear that they're hating on you, what the, what the Lord wants you to do is bless them. Even if you have to do it through gritted teeth, he wants you to bless them because it does something in your heart. Now here, I'm going to flip the script just a little bit. But the Lord even wants to take you beyond you. You're blessing them so that you can help them get to redemption so they get back to where they should be when you do it right with God's love. I had somebody one time that was really causing me a lot of problems and I was, I was frustrated, and I was telling the Lord, I was like, Lord, I don't want to bless them. And, <laughs> and the Lord was like, Mark, you're offended. You're, you're starting to get into unforgiveness, and you better start blessing them, son. You better start. I don't want to bless them. And I was, it was all about me and all about me. And God said, you know, Mark, why, he's, why this person's acting like that? And he said, I'm going to tell you why they're acting like that, Mark. They're sick. This person actually at that time, and I didn't know it, had cancer. They're sick. And it's went to their mind, and they don't even know they're acting like this. And you're getting all ticked off and mad, and Lord, do something about this person for me. And he's saying, Mark, I want you to bless them because I want to heal them and restore them. And I'm telling you a whole mouthful today, but I'm telling you guys, that's when you know, and I'm not saying I've arrived because I still struggle in this area. I'm like, Lord, help me to be like Jesus in this area for sure. But when it's whenever you're being a priest and you're blessing somebody, it's not, always, it's not about you. It's about them. And God wants, you, wants to work through you to minister to somebody else. And yeah, he's always going to minister right back to you as you do it. Hope that helps somebody. Because James 3, verses 8 through 10, if you want to know the how-to of Christianity, read the book of James. But James 3, verses 8 through 10 he says this, but no man can tame the tongue. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? He says, it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God or in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. What should be coming out of your mouth is blessing. Yes. 
And everybody said, and I'm preaching to myself this morning. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. If you don't know, if, if you're a man here, and I'm, gonna t- I'm just talking to the men here for just a little bit, and the ladies too, but men, you're the priest of your home, and you need to be praying over your children. And if you have grandchildren, praying over them as well. And I, I, I would say that, and I know Mark and Carrie are going to be teaching on this, and there's, if I could, because Mark and Carrie and I, we've ta- and Jada, we've talked about this, I think the greatest thing that I could teach a couple is if you would just start praying together and praying over your kids. And Mark said it started with them just praying over their meal. And then it grew from there. And then they started hearing their kids pray like they pray. And that's, that's when, you're, when, it, when you're being a priest and then you're teaching the next generation. And so I'm going to leave you with this scripture. And I, I share this scripture and speak this over you guys every Sunday in a more uh, bigger form. I found a, a prayer, but it uses this blessing And it's Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. It's what God told Moses to do to the children of Israel. And he said, Moses, when you say this, when you speak this, when you voice this over my people, you're actually putting my name upon them. So if you want to learn how to put his name on your children over anything that you own or anything, any of your possessions, speak this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. There it is. I just put, when I spoke that, I just put the name of God over every one of you and over everybody that's watching online. So I encourage you to do that. And everybody said amen. All right, so the number one role of a priest is to speak blessing. Here's number two. Priests walk under the anointing. And everybody said amen. Are you a better person when you're anointed? <laughs> I know I am. Uh, and I wish I could walk under it. 20, I've got the Holy Spirit 24-7. We all do. But there's a time when you're anointed to do a task, to do something, okay? This is in Exodus chapter 40, verses 12 through 15. And it says, And then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron And anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father. So I want you to notice there's a blending of generations here. There's the dad in the house of God and there's the sons in the house of God with their dad doing ministry. That they may minister to me as priests for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. If I could give you a a definition of ministry, this is it. The definition of ministry is meeting the needs of people in love with the anointing of God. That's ministry. It's not about you. It's about ministering to other people in love with the anointing of God. And when we say the anointing, anointing was something used in the Old Testament a lot. When somebody was anointed to do something, they would pour basically oil over their head to set them apart, to anoint them, to do something. And, but where this comes from is in, in the shepherd, shepherding. Um, the shepherds would anoint their sheep with oil. And so let me just tell you what anointing does. Anointing is applying oil. They apply this oil to soften, to soften and protect the skin in a dry climate. So the anointing, what the anointing does to us spiritually is it softens us and protects us. 
All right, the shepherd's anointing, what he would do is he would pull, pull, <laughs> pour oil over the sheep's head. He would rub it in around their ears, around their eyes, around their nose, and around their mouth, and it would keep the flies away, plus it would keep lice and ticks to not be able to grab a hold of the sheep. So the anointing protects you. The anointing protects you. And the anointing oil, they'd also use it to rub into wounds and aids in healing and heal the sheep. And so when we come into the house of God, we want the anointing to be here so that we can receive all that that I just said. Amen. And you as a, as a husband and wife, as a mother and father, when you're under that anointing, walking in that anointing, you can bring all of that to your children as well into your household. And 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 through 22, I just want to read this because it's not just, it's not, because there's, um, how the best way to say this? Some people believe there's only a few people that are anointed. No. You're anointed. You have an anointing. I have an anointing. Maybe different anointings, but if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have an anointing because he is the anointing one the anointed one, and he has anointed you to do whatever he's called you to do. So now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So I just want you to know, look at somebody and say, I am anointed. Because a lot of times we just want to put that off on, oh, let's call the pastor, he's anointed. Well, you're anointed too to pray over your home. And everybody said amen. All right, here's number three. Number three is that priests carry the presence of God. So we ought to be carrying the presence of God, not just on Sunday mornings, but all the other days of the week. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I'll never forget one time I went to uh, apply for a position. This has been years ago. It's been over 20 years ago. And I went to church with this particular person. I went to apply for a position at their company. And when I sat down across from him, this is the first words out of his mouth. He said, Mark, I just want you to know I'm not the same guy I am that I am here on Sunday. That threw up red flags to me big time. And I was like, and I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people like that. They go to church on Sunday, and they're totally something else on, the, on Monday. And the reason why is because they're not carrying the presence of God. So beware. Amen. So this is Joshua chapter 3. Verses 14 through 17 says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So that was, and this is a, uh, something that the priests were called to do, was to carry the Ark of the Covenant, okay, to carry, basically to carry the presence of God. In verse 15, it was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed out to the Dead Sea until, until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood, listen to this, on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. Now what this tells us, and it says, then it says this, then they, they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan, not on wet ground, on dry ground. Okay, there was, I thank God for the scripture where it says the river was full bank to bank 
But when the, the priest stepped in, it parted just like the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. And here's what I want to say to this. When the priests get in their rightful positions and when they carry the presence of God, victory always follows them. And so when you're carrying the presence of God, realize that you're walking in victory. Don't let the enemy come to you and say, you're not walking victory. You're not, you know, and because here's where the battleground's at. If you're carrying the presence of God, victory is following you. Yeah. And you've got to walk by faith and not by sight. And everybody said, amen. amen. Here's the last point for today. And all these points are important. And I know the first one I told you, you know, the number one role of a, the function of a priest is speak blessings. And here's number four. And we have got the church, we have got to start getting this right. And we've, we've got to start getting this right in our homes because that's where it starts at. But number four is priests establish the family and raise sons and daughters positioned for inheritance. And this is going back in the Old Testament. I'm just using this to show you types and shadows to help you understand this role of priesthood because even in the New Testament we're kings and priests. Leviticus 8, verses 12 through 14, it says, And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes, and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. And the reason why I wanted to read this, to show you something here, is Moses anointed Aaron. God had Moses anoint Aaron as the high priest, okay? But Aaron, the, that scripture says, Aaron covered his sons. So you're anointed to be the dad. I'm going to use the dads in here. You're anointed to be the father of your family. You're anointed, and then you cover your children. You're the covering for your children. But I also want you to notice in this, in this passage of Scripture, in this, when he's talking about the priesthood, I want you to notice the blending of generations in this scenario. Did you know that in our churches today, and that's where we're trying to uh, bless her heart, the church, I'm like, Lord, we got a lot of work to get done to get her without spot or wrinkle before you come back. But in the church, we're fighting over worship sets, <laughs> whether it's the old hymns, or the contemporary music. And we're having a hard time blending. There, did you know that there are some churches in our area that they have, they have to have separate services so the young people can come to listen to the more contemporary worship and then the older people come? To do, did you know that is not of God? We, ought to, we need to learn how to blend that together and have a little bit of contemporary, a little bit of hymns. And I've told Mark that we need to have a little bit of both. Here, And we try hard to do that here with a little bit of both. And because we're trying to blend generations. And so the American church, by and large, we're getting it all wrong. And even in churches today, is in American churches, we have what we, we it looks a lot like the business world and corporate world is succession. Meaning, who's going to take, you know, Pastor Mark's going to stay here till he's 85 or 90, and then when he finally goes home to be with the Lord, we'll raise up another pastor. Yeah. No, it needs to, right now, yeah, we need to have a blending of generations. Yeah. Amen? Amen? 
And I'm going to tell you what really got, got a hold of me on this is when my son Luke, he's now preaching in another church, but he was here, and he had told me, he said, Pastor Mark, I'm so thankful for the years that I had here because it prepared me for where I'm at now. Yes. And he's a son of this ministry. And he's, he's, he's out doing what he, and I guarantee you guys, he's a, he is a king and a priest, but he knows that he's, his gifting is more in the priesthood, and he's probably going to start a church one of these days. He'll be a pastor of a church sometime soon. I believe that with all of my heart. Mark and Carrie showed me a video of him when we baptized him as a little bitty dude just here this week, and it was just so awesome. It just brought, because I was preparing this message, and it just brought all this to life to me that we need to have this blending of generations. And that's what's wrong with the church at large here in America is we don't have a blending of generations. And whenever I started studying this, it's all through the Scripture, guys, of, of what Jesus is trying to do, telling us in, in, the, in the church is to have a blending of generations. And so just give you a few examples of this. Um, did you know that in Judges chapter 6, when Samson came in to destroy that temple, when he came in, did you know what he asked for? He asked for a young man to guide me to the temple walls, to the pillars, so I can push it down. And God showed me, he said, Mark, he was asking, he was trying to blend the generations. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, what did he use? A little boy's Happy Meal. There's another of the blending of generations. So we don't ever look down. We, 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 we oftentimes look down on our children and say, I'll wait till they grow up. No. Uh-uh. We need to have this blending of generations going on in the church all the time. And everybody said, amen. And I'm telling you guys, by and large, we've got it wrong. And I'm going to show you a scripture where uh, they got it wrong in the Old Testament. And this is um, 1 Samuel 8, chapter 3. If you know anything about Samuel, Samuel was a prophet. He was in the priesthood. Um, the Bible says he was a, a mighty prophet of word that the Bible even says that none of his words fell to the ground. How many would you like to be like that? All right. And, but he did something wrong. And I, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to put blame on Samuel because here's the deal. Every, every one of us in here have a free will and choice. So um, it could have been a little bit of both. But he either did something wrong or his children did something wrong. They didn't make the right choices. But the Bible specifically says in 1 Samuel 8, verse 3, it says, But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. And, it's, and it is. I've, I've learned this as a pastor. You can get so caught up in ministry and ministering to other people, and you forget to minister to your own spouse and your own children. And you can lose them. And you can't do that. That's not healthy. So I think I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here. Is if you're called into the priesthood, if that's your dominant gift, I can tell you something that the enemy's going to attack you with and is trying to, going to try to put the Messiah complex on you that I've got to be Jesus to everybody. You're not Jesus. And so you've got to know your boundaries. Because, uh, because also with that priesthood, you can have the gift of mercy. And if your mercy is running out, then that means you need to go spend some time with Jesus and get built back up because you can get peopled and all those kind of things. So you've got to be careful that I don't get this Messiah complex and that you think you can fix everybody. And I, I'm going I'm to tell off on myself. Whenever we first started our church here, 
I figured up that I could have a church of 500 people in Leedy, Oklahoma. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. <laughs> I figured up in these six counties around here how many, the population of these six counties that we were reaching into. I'm, I'm serious. And then I came up, I, I'm telling off of myself, I came up with Harvest Harry. Some of you may remember this if you've been here since the beginning. Came up with Harvest Harry, this person that we're going to reach. Harvest Hank, was it Hank? Harvest Hank. It's, that's better. Yeah, it sounds better than Harvest Harry anyway. So Harvest Hank, we're trying to reach Harvest Hank in these six counties. And I figured up the population and I was figuring, and it was like a drop in the bucket, 500 people. I'm like, and I was just like, it was this grandiose thinking of, of, you know, and I had this Messiah complex. I'm going to be Jesus to everybody in six counties. And, you know, and it was all about Mark, and it was all about me, and we're going to build this great big old gigantic ministry out here, and uh, we're going to have our own town outside of Leedy. And, man, I'm telling you what, it was messed up. Just a lot of pride and selfish ambition and just a bunch of hocus-pocus. I'm just going to tell you what it was. I, and I, but I had God stamped on it, right? This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And finally, as, you know, ministry will wake you up, okay? <laughs> so as I began to, and it, what it, not wake me up, it humbled me big time. You talk about some humble pie. And then I finally realized one day, I had a very seasoned pastor tell me, he said, he pulled me aside and he goes, I'm going to teach you something, Mark. He goes, you don't want to reach everybody. And I said, really? I thought that's what we're called to do. He said, No. He goes, you just want to reach the ones that God wants you to reach. And he goes, you want to reach the ones that hear your voice and say, that's my pastor. Not all this church hopping and and stuff that goes on and uh, because that's just going to create you a lot of problems. He said, you want the people that come to your church, they know that, hey, I'm supposed to be there and that you're my pastor. That's what you want to know. And Mark, if that's 25, it's 25. And if it's 50, it's 50. If it's 100, it's, it's 100. But I'll probably, guess what? It's probably not going to be 500. <laughs> you know, because the population of your town is only just a little over four. You know, so let's wake up. Let's, let's, let's have a wake-up call, right? And I was so appreciative of that and uh, to realize that, that I just want to reach. And if it's just, if we just do this for the rest of my life and we just reach one person, it was worth it. You know, and whenever I finally, whenever I finally got that Messiah complex off of me and that selfish ambition and all that kind of junk, I, it just, it freed me into my calling even more to be a priest. And then what was so, I'll tell you something. And at that time in my life, I can still remember this when this was going on on the inside of me. That was the first time I start when I finally released that to the Lord and got a hold of that. That was the first time in my life when I had people call me pastor without me telling them to call me pastor. And I didn't have to put my name on a business card and say, Pastor Mark, because they started recognizing he's stepping into his calling. He's being a pastor now. So I just want to throw that out there to you. If you're really called to be a priest, that's what you've got to have in it. It's not about you. It's about them. So, but get back to Samuel. Samuel he either failed to carry the priestly anointing and give it down to his sons, or his sons failed to pick it up. I'm not going to put the blame on Samuel because I also know as we're all in here raising children, I have pastor, pastor friends right now that are raising kids, and your children have free will and choices. And we've got, we, it's, you know, we're trying to get them to go the right direction, but sometimes they don't. 
but they're always going to come back. Amen? Because that's the promise that we have. So the people rejected Samuel, and then I'm just going to kind of give you a rough draft of, or just an overview, I should say, of, of what happened in this situation. So the people rejected Samuel, and they wanted a king. So God gave them what they wanted, and that was they, he gave them the king Saul. And when they finally got tired of Saul, they said, we don't want a king anymore, God. And when the one, they, they said, we want what you want, God. God said, okay, I got somebody waiting for you, and guess what? who it was? It was David, and he was a little boy. And he said, and here's your king and your priest. David's one of our first examples of a, of a man that walked in that king and priest at the same time. He was, but his, and I'm going to show you this in Scripture, but his primary role was a king. Okay? And his name was David. And here's what I'm going to tell every one of us in here. There's a David in every one of us in here. And we're called, and I hope you get this, guys, and we're going to talk about kings, not this next Sunday, because we have Ray Hollis going to be here. But the next Sunday after that, I'm going to talk about kings. But we're all called to be kings and priests. And what kings and priests do is we make war, spiritual war, and to leave an inheritance to our children and our children's children. And let me tell you what this inheritance is. It's not just stuff. It's not just money. Yeah, that's part of it. You should do that. But we should be leaving an inheritance in our children of character dominion, confidence, purity, walking in righteousness, all those things to our sons and our daughters so that they walk in a far greater blessing than we did. Jade and I have cut off some things in our family, her family line, my family line. We have cut off some things so it didn't pass down to the next generation. And then we're seeing Taya walk it out in hers, and it's not been this, this morning Taya sends me a video of my grandkids in their car seats worshiping God on the way to church this morning. You can't put a price tag on that. That's awesome. And, and so that's what we're all doing in here. It's a generational blessing. But to do that, we've got to blend the generations too. May this church always be a church that blends the generations. That we never say, okay, we're going to have an, a 10 to 30 service where it's just going to be for the old folks and the blue hairs, and because that's coming for me, and then and then then we're but we're then we're going to have a later service because the young generation sleeps in. We're going to have a later service where it's just going to be hip and hop and you know and and the contemporary worship. May we be a church that blends the generations, yeah. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, it takes kings and priests working together to fulfill the calling. Of, to, to fulfill the vision of God, I should say, working together, not against each other, but working together. And um, so I, what I encourage you, find out what your assignment is. You're a king and a priest, but one of them will be dominant, whatever it is, and get into that role and start functioning and growing in it. And everybody said amen. All right. I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. And I want to speak a uh, blessing over here in just a second is my calling in the priesthood, being your pastor. But I want to make sure that everyone here knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We do this every Sunday because um, that's the greatest thing that can happen to you is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I can still remember the day that I did that. And um, it's very simple. Just to pray a prayer, mean it from your heart. And uh, the Bible says that believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
So I want to lead you in this prayer. Those that are watching online, those that are listening by radio, and even if you are saved, I want you to repeat this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God, and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said amen. And if that's the first time you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God. And your very next step of obedience is following the Lord in water baptism. And we can do that next Sunday. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that. We've also got a date planned for Easter that we're going to do those water baptisms here as well. But uh, now I'm going to speak a blessing over you. So let's all stand up. Jada, will you come up here? And Jada and I are going to speak this blessing over you. This is out of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Hug somebody's neck and say, I'm a king and a priest. Or I'm a queen and a priestess.